the teams you care about. Patriots and the playoffs. I'm impressed, but I'm not surprised. This is exactly where I expected them to be. The stories that matter to you. Look, I, I can't seem to want to pull the trigger on any huge free agent deals for the Red Sox, but I would trade Bobby Dolbeck. That I know for sure. This is your home for New England sports. If UVM wants to win and win big, they need stars to play like stars. This is the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV-AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. What's up, everybody? Brady Farkas Show right here on a Monday on WDEV, AM, and FM, and WDEVradio.com. Full show today up until 7 o'clock. We get back into high school basketball tomorrow night. Brent Curtis will be on the call of three different games for us this week. But tonight... A full show, all 90 minutes, national title game. Alabama and Georgia begins with coverage right at 7 o'clock as Georgia looks to avenge its loss to Bama in the SEC title game by trying to win the national title. Well, look, my voice is at 65%. I can't promise it won't crack. I can't promise I won't sound like Kermit the Frog at some point, but we're going to gut it out together, everybody, all 90 minutes. We'll spend... All show long, reacting to Week 18 of the NFL season, specifically the Patriots' 33 to 24 loss at the hands of the Dolphins, and we'll talk with Doug Kide, NFL insider over at Pro Football Focus. He'll be with us at 5:45. You can always get in on the Napa Morrisville Napa Waterbury text line 802-585-3026. Your locally owned Napa stores in Waterbury and Morrisville. Everybody, Lego. Five, four, three, two. One. And here we go. The opening thoughts on the Brady Farkas Show brought to you by Sticks and Stuff and Swanton Lumber, Vermont's most complete locally owned home center with locations in Enosburg, Derby, Middlesex, St. Albans, and at Swanton Lumber. They're online at sticksandstuff.com. I tell you this every week now because at least once a week this comes up in a story, and it comes up again today. Two things can be true at the exact same time. Everybody's looking for one takeaway, for one side, for one this, for one that. Understand there that two things can be true at once and two things are true at once again today. In one corner is the truth that for me, the playoff matchup that I wanted, we are getting. So how things shook out, I'm not mad about it because I would rather, if the Patriots have to go on the road, I would rather them them play the Buffalo Bills than play the Cincinnati Bengals. So I am happy with how everything ended up shaking out yesterday. I thought it was going to be the Bills getting the four and the Patriots getting the five, and instead it's the Bills getting the three and the Patriots getting the six. But I'm happy with where we ended up. The Pats playing the Bills, for me, is a better matchup in round one than them going on the road and playing the Bengals, a Bengals team they haven't seen before. So that is true. I am happy with where we ended up at the end of the day yesterday, standings-wise and matchup-wise. What is also true is that while I'm happy, that loss yesterday by the Patriots at the hands of the Dolphins yet again on South Beach, it was frustrating. And it was infuriating. So while the res the, the resolution is no harm, no foul to me, because I got the matchup I wanted, I'm not real thrilled in the way that we got there 
and in how this Patriots regular season ended yesterday. Yesterday was an, was a horrible loss. 33-24, to 24, I know it was 27-24 at the end, and then the trick play that went sideways ended up getting us to a nine-point margin. It doesn't matter. Lose by three, lose by nine. The Dolphins controlled that game for three quarters, and the Patriots were outclassed for three quarters. And, it's, and it was horrible to me, and it was frustrating to me because the Patriots yet again made mistakes that you expect bad teams to make. They made mistakes that you expect really young teams to make. They made mistakes that you expect teams early in the season to make. The Pats were making the same mistakes we saw yesterday. The Pats were making weeks one through five, weeks one through six, and then they were perfect for nearly two months, and here they are regressing. At a time when you should be playing your best football of the season going into the playoffs, the Patriots are playing nearly their worst football of the season, and that is a problem. Look at what went wrong yesterday because much of what went wrong was self-inflicted, and I hate that. I hate that. It's one thing in the NFL to lose on talent. Okay, The Jets, they're just not as talented as the Bills. That That's... I can handle losing when you're just flat out not as good as somebody. I can't handle losing when largely the other team hasn't beaten you. It's when you have beaten yourself. The Pats once again started slow. They got down 17 to nothing against a team who had nothing to play for. The Dolphins had nothing to play for except pride yesterday and they got up 17 to nothing. Pats allowed an opening drive touchdown for the sixth time in 18 games. That was a problem. And the the slow starts have been a common theme. Look at the last three losses the Patriots have. Colts, Bills, and yesterday, they've been outscored 51-14 in the first half. Slow starts are not new to this team. That's a problem. It's a product of you not being prepared to play. And whether that's coaches or whether that's players or a combination of the two, the slow start habitually happening is a you problem. It is a self-inflicted wound that you cannot have at this time of the season. The Patriots again lost the turnover battle, and they lost it by multi-turnovers. A pick six on the first pass of the game from Mac Jones. A, a fumbled snap by Mac Jones later. I mean... We talk about this team needing to stay on schedule and needing to play within a script and needing a game flow to be um, in their corner. When you turn it over on the first pass of the game, all of that goes out the window. So you started slow and poor on defense. You started slow and poor on offense. You then got down 17 to nothing, and everything you aspire to be, you can't be anymore. That is you really aiding in your own demise. And then we could just keep on going. You had fourth and one at a time when you were going to go for it, and you false started, and you had to punt. Lawrence Guy lines up over the center. You're going to get the ball back. Dolphins get a drive extender and that penalty. They go down and kick a field goal. I mean, there were some untimely, questionable, I get it, but untimely penalties that did this team in. And then there is you allowing 195 yards rushing. 
This team prides itself on discipline and physicality, and there were undisciplined penalties, and there was you getting your ass run over all game long. Those are problems. Those are self-inflicted wounds. Attitude, execution. You want to win in the playoffs, you can't do this stuff. The Pats are supposed to be a team that wins on defense. They couldn't stop anybody yesterday. They're supposed they couldn't force a turnover. They couldn't stop the run. They couldn't get off the field when they needed to. And they're supposed to be a team that wins on execution and being surgical, and they couldn't do that either. It's a problem now, and it's been a problem for a month. The Patriots are making mistakes that bad teams make. They are making mistakes that inexperienced teams make. Look, the Patriots are in the playoffs, and I'm happy about that. And I told you on Friday, and I, I maintain it, this season is a success. But as it stands right now, the Patriots, I don't know that they're a good team. They have characteristics of good teams. They have good players. They have good coaching. We've seen a two-month sample size where they can play nearly flawless. They have characteristics of good teams. But right now, they are just a team that is wildly inconsistent and is prone to large bouts of sloppy play. At some point, look, we keep saying that these these problems are correctable, and they are, but at some point, they're not just, oh, they're correctable. They're, this is who you are, and right now, this is who the Patriots are, prone and susceptible to poor play. Again, I can handle losing on talent. The Denver Broncos lost Saturday night. They're not as talented as the Chiefs. If the Patriots played the Chiefs in the AFC title game and they lost, I wouldn't blame them. The Chiefs are just better. But when you lose, now, the Patriots, the way they're losing is not because other teams are flat out better. They're losing because they're hurting themselves. And that guts me. In Indy, slow start, blocked punt, turnovers, you lose. That's that's self-inflicted. Buffalo, Buffalo may be better than the Pats, but not by much. But you lost that game, why? Because you couldn't get up the field on third down. Self-inflicted turnovers, can't get off the field third down yesterday. Turnovers, slow start, untimely penalties. Two things can be true at once. I'm happy the Patriots are playing the Bills. I'm glad that this is how it shook out. However we got there, I'm glad that this is the matchup. But yesterday is also a bad loss. And it was a bad loss because of the way it happened. You are regressing now as the season goes along. Other teams are ascending. I look around the league, even teams that didn't make the playoffs, the Seahawks score 50 on the Lions, and they beat the playoff-bound Cardinals yesterday. They were at least playing their best football at the end of the year. The Tennessee Titans right now, even without Derrick Henry, are playing their best football at the end of the year. The Raiders are playing their best football at the end of the year. The Lions, they're playing their best football at the end of the year. I think they went, they won three games in the last month and a half. They're getting better. The Patriots are getting worse. And that bothers me. Napa Waterbury, Napa Morrisville text line, 802-585-3026. Joel in Waterbury. How about the awful, unnecessary roughness call on that fake punt? That was garbage, and that screwed the Pats. Joel, I'm with you. That call was horrific. The, the, the punter was fourth and three. The punter... Goes back, fake punt. Brandon Bolden looks like he's going to tee off on him. 
pretty much misses him and gets called for unnecessary roughness. Rough, uh, unnecessary roughness. I'm with you. That call was atrocious. But I want you, Joel, and everybody else out there listening to hear this right now because this is a rule that I live by as a fan, and this is a rule that I live by in sports media. The officials never decide a game. Sure, a call is part of the story, but the officials never decide a game. Blaming an official for the outcome is just low-hanging fruit. Understand this. Before that play happened, before that unnecessary roughness happened, the Patriots were down 14-0. The refs didn't allow an opening drive touchdown. The refs didn't throw an awful pass into zone coverage to Xavier Howard for a pick six. The refs didn't do that. And by the way, the very play before the fake punt, bad call, unnecessary roughness, Devin McCourty dropped an interception that was right in his hands. The refs didn't do that either. So yes, the unnecessary roughness call was atrocious. And it was one of the more egregious calls I've seen all season. It did not cost you the game. I don't even think it's in the top three of things that cost you the game. Your slow start yet again. Your lack of preparation yet again. A pick six thrown by your quarterback. A dropped interception. All of those things happened before that bad call. The bad call was bad, but it wasn't the only thing that happened. So if you're blaming the official, you're making excuses. The Patriots were bad all around that bad call. And yes, it's part of the story, but the story is much more about what you did or did not do than what the officials did or did not do. And, uh, unnamed texter, very un-Belichick-like to get worse as the year progresses. I'm with you on that. That's a good point. Usually we, we see the Patriots ascending as the season goes on, right? They're bad for September. They're average for September. And then they get going and they're zooming by Thanksgiving and they're ready to go into the playoffs. Not this year. And again, 10 and seven. I told you that's, you know, I thought this was very, very possible. I predicted it. So the end record does not surprise me. What surprises me is how we're getting there. Bad at the beginning, great in the middle, bad at the end. Virginia in Starksboro is the one who sent that text. She's right. Unbelichick like to have that kind of arc to your season. It's like a, they call that a bell curve. Down at the beginning, up in the middle, down at the end. That is Unbelichick like. Usually it's a straight line progressing all the way through. Cannot beat yourself. If you're going to lose in the playoffs, Lose because the other team flat out outplayed. You do not lose because you turn it over. Do not lose because you take illegal formation penalties. Do not lose because you take delay of games. Do not lose because you have to burn a timeout. Do not lose because of those reasons. And that is how the Patriots have been losing for a month. And that's what bothers me. It's the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. That's how I see it. How do the experts see it? Doug Kide, Pro Football Focus Insider. He's with us next on WDEV. Now it's back to the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. Welcome back in, Brady Farkas Show, right here on this Monday on WDEV AM and FM and WDEVradio. 
NFL.com continuing to react to the Patriots 33-24 loss yesterday to the Miami Dolphins. Pats finish out the regular season at 10 and 7. They're off to Buffalo for the first round of the NFL playoffs Saturday night in a game we'll have for you at 8:15. Joining us now is former Pats beat reporter and now National Football Insider over at Pro Football Focus, Doug Kai. Doug, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Brady? Good. I can't believe we've made it through 18 weeks of the regular season. It feels like just yesterday I was prepping for week one. Um, Pats ended on a sour note, though. What'd you make? What'd you take away from yesterday? Yeah, it was just, you know, they just keep beating themselves, which is not usual for a Patriots team. Just it seems like there's been a lot of mistakes and a lot of these losses. You know, it is it's interesting because the Patriots were favored in that game against the Dolphins, but I'm not sure if anyone was fully confident that the Patriots would actually come out of Miami with a victory uh, over the Dolphins since they've had so much trouble against Brian Flores, who was fired today, yeah. uh, and just in Miami in general. But, you know, it, it was definitely a winnable game if you take out four or five mistakes. But, you know, if they also just played better, they could have overcome those mistakes as well. So definitely not a great way to be entering the playoffs. But I would say that, you know, just with an overturned roster, a rookie quarterback, just the fact that the Patriots are in the playoffs, I know that Patriots fans don't usually think this way, but I'd say that that's a positive sign that they at least came out of this season as a playoff team. On the Flores note, what did you make of his firing? And does that have a discernible impact on the Patriots being that they're a division rival? Yeah, it, it certainly does. I think that, you know, whoever they bring in as their head coach, we'll see if they have as much success against the Patriots as Brian Flores did. I really do think that Brian Flores... You know, his his knowledge of the Patriots uh, certainly helped them in Miami. And I don't think that that new head coach will have that same knowledge unless they bring in another Bill Belichick disciple. But it was really an interesting situation where the Dolphins beat the Patriots in week one, strung together seven straight losses, then strung together seven straight wins, lost in week 17, beat the Patriots in week 18, and really kind of bookended what was a crazy season. But I think that with Flores' firing in general you just have to look at how much turmoil went on in the organization while he was the head coach I don't blame that on Brian Flores but he went through four different offensive coordinators in three years this year they've got two offensive coordinators some of the signings that they made just really didn't pan out there was a lot of turnover there as well Uh, they didn't draft very well in 2020 did draft pretty well in, in 2021 so it was really kind of a decision between Chris Greer the GM and Brian Flores, the head coach, and the owner, Stephen Ross, decided to to fire Brian Flores rather than fire the GM. Back to the Pats, finishing 10-7, and seven, making the playoffs. I'm with you. The season is an undeniable success from my vantage point. <clears throat> um, Mac Jones aside, what do you think was the biggest positive development for this team this year? That's a, that's a really good question. Um, I, I think I would say that you know, beyond Mac Jones, who obviously was the, the biggest name that came in this, this season, he made the biggest impact on the Patriots as a newcomer. Just a lot of those other newcomers making a big splash with the Patriots, whether it was a draft pick like Ramondre Stevenson or, or Christian Barmore or some of the free agent signings they brought in. Obviously not all of those worked out, but Matt Judon was a high-impact player. Kendrick Bourne, I think, exceeded expectations this season. Even a guy like Jalen Mills, he was a, a starter on the defense. Hunter Henry caught a bunch of touchdowns. You know, the Nelson Aguilars and the John New Smiths, those could have worked out a little bit better, but I'd say that overall they had a pretty high hit rate on all of the players that they brought in over the offseason. And that's one of the big reasons why that led to a playoff appearance this year. 
Doug Kide, Pro Football Focus, with us here on the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. A couple weeks ago, we were talking about the Patriots as a possible Super Bowl team. They've lost three of four. They've limped in to the playoffs now. Were they ever as good as we thought they were, or were they beating up on a bad schedule and they got lucky that the Titans were so injured when they played them? But were they ever as good as we thought? I don't think so. And, you know, I was a victim of, of the, the circumstances that were happening in that, during that winning streak just as much as anyone else. Or, you know, I was I certainly thought that they were better than they were based on that winning streak, based on a lot of the, the team names they were playing, yeah. not so much the players on those teams that they were able to beat. So, no, I'm not I'm not quite sure if they were ever. You know, it, that's tough to say, though, because if you look at the AFC as a whole, you know, the Chiefs stand out right now, but they're not a perfect team. The Titans stand out right now because they're the number one seed, but they're certainly not a perfect team. Maybe they start playing a little bit more consistently now that Derrick Henry's uh, will be back in the mix. But, you know, I don't blame anyone for including the Patriots in that upper echelon of AFC teams just because there's not a clear-cut favorite in that group. I do think that obviously the Patriots have fallen a little bit more into the middle of the pack in the playoff run, but I don't think that there's a huge discernible difference between the middle of the pack in the AFC and that upper echelon. So, you know, yeah, maybe they're not Super Bowl contenders, but they're not that far off from the top teams in the, in the AFC. We're getting round three Patriots and Bills Saturday night. Again, we're going to have the coverage for you beginning at about 630 here with the pregame show as we join it in progress after Norwich hockey on Saturday night. I'm actually a fan of this matchup for the Patriots. I've always believed the devil you know is better than the devil you don't. Um, would you have rather played Buffalo or would you rather played Cincinnati? You know, I, I think the line would have been a little bit closer if they had played Cincinnati, but I do think that you make a good point. And the fact that the Patriots have already beat the bills this season, you know, it was in, in very adverse conditions, but at least there's something on paper on tape of them beating the Buffalo bills and the weather's not supposed to be good in Buffalo on yeah. Saturday. Uh, so that will certainly play a factor as well. Uh, the Patriots are a better running team than the bills are. Devin Singletary certainly come on late this season, but I would certainly take Damian Harris from Andre Stevenson, Brandon Bolden over the group that they have there in Buffalo. Uh, and, you know, the Bengals have just been so high powered this season. And I think that they're a little bit more balanced on offense with what they've got in Joe Mixon, who only a few years ago, Bill Belichick said was, you know, maybe the best running back in the entire NFL. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if that's, that's accurate, but he certainly has a lot of praise for Joe Mixon. And then their passing attack is just so strong as well. But I, I don't know. I think it was close. Um, and yeah, just the fact that they have beat the Bills already, I can see where you're coming from. I'd probably lean a little bit more towards the Bengals, even with me saying all that. But I don't think that this is necessarily a disastrous matchup for New England. What do you think about the Saturday night primetime slot? Like, I would have rather seen the Patriots play at 430 on Saturday, that kind of general malaise game, see if they can take advantage of Buffalo in that time slot. I don't I'm not crazy about the primetime slot. What do you think? It's, I do think that, you know, the more time that you give those Buffalo fans to get riled up, it yeah. probably would be, you know, worse for the Patriots. Uh, it is that, like you said, that primetime slot. I I also, I wouldn't blame the Patriots for being a little bit upset that they've got a short rest heading into a playoff game. And obviously that would have been the case for any team that wasn't playing on Saturday. Um, but yeah, it's it's not exactly the greatest time slot for this game for the Patriots. Having to head into Buffalo uh, at night 
on a Saturday with everything else going on. And, you know, beyond that, you're even just, I don't know how many Buffalo Bills fans would have showed up to work on Monday anyway if this game was <laughs> on a Sunday, but uh, they've got no worries heading into yeah. Sunday with everything that they're going to be doing on Saturday night. You know, I asked you what the biggest positive developments were for the Pats this year. For me, one of them is that J.C. Jackson proved he's not just a byproduct of Stephon Gilmore being there. I think that they have to re-sign J.C. Jackson. What does the top of the cornerback market look like money-wise? Because it's going to be a hefty investment if they are able to retain him. Yeah, I mean, cornerbacks are among the highest paid players in the NFL. I'm not exactly sure, you know, what the exact figure on, on Jalen Ramsey, but I mean, you, you're going to have to pay, you know, $20 million for a top cornerback in the NFL. And J.C. Jackson's really hitting the market at the right time here. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised if the Patriots actually take this, you know, one more year on the franchise tag mm. if they can get something going there. But I will say that I was actually talking to another agent recently um, and and he was kind of wondering, you know, what was going to be happening with J.C. Jackson. And I mentioned that he had recently signed uh, with, with Drew, Drew Rosenhaus as his new agent. Mm -hmm. uh, J.C. Jackson's kind of bounced around agents for a few years. And the Patriots, as we saw in the 2021 offseason, got a lot of deals done with Drew, Ro Drew Rosenhaus' client. So maybe that helps a little bit uh, that J.C. Jackson is a Drew Rosenhaus client. Maybe they can get something figured out uh, for the long term before J.C. Jackson actually hits the open market because if he hits the open market, then those offers seemingly would flood in from other teams. And just one more note on J.C. Jackson, any team in the NFL could have had J.C. Jackson yeah. at a market price last off season as a restricted free agent. And the Patriots, would. You know, they gave him the second round tender. It wasn't even like they gave him a first round tender. So any team could have given up a second round pick, signed J.C. Jackson to a contract, see if the Patriots would have matched. Everyone declined around the NFL, mm -hmm. maybe because the cap was so low. But I think that a lot of teams might be kicking themselves at that for, for that at this point, for giving up a second round pick and signing him to a, a lesser contract as a restricted free agent. Pats will have some money to spend this offseason, not as much as last offseason. Part of my plan includes signing Jackson. And then I think the, the probably the next thing they need is a a better wide receiver. Do you see them being at the top of the market, you know, Allen Robinson, Devontae Adams, or should I be setting my sights on the draft at this point? You know, Devontae Adams would be a pipe dream. I don't think that there's really any possibility that that's going to happen. I would say that the most likely scenario is that he winds back with Aaron Rodgers, whether that's in Green Bay or wherever else it would be. There's also the possibility that he could reunite uh, with Derek Carr since they were college teammates. But someone like Allen Robinson I do think is interesting, especially since he had kind of a down season in 2021. Uh, so I think that he's a guy who might struggle to find – that top end market and there's some other wide receivers out there as well who could wind up being bargains uh, unfortunately michael gallup suffered a torn yeah. acl late in the season he'll be a free agent chris godwin suffered a knee injury late in the season he's going to be a free agent so those are guys that you actually don't even know at what point they will be able to get back on the field but for a team trying to sign a free agent you know you might be able to get a bargain on a player like that doug kide what's your gut on the uh on the game saturday night you know, I, I hate to say this to, to Patriots fans. I, my gut is that the Bills win this game. Yeah. Uh, but but like I said earlier, I mean, a team with a rookie quarterback, with a ton of turnover on their roster, they made positive strides this season. Even if they lose on Saturday night against the Bills, I don't think that anyone should be feeling too negative about this Patriots team. Doug Kide, Pro Football Focus. You can follow him on Twitter, at Doug Kide, K-Y-E-D. Doug, appreciate your time, man, as always. Had you on a couple times this year. I imagine we'll do it a few more here over the course of the next couple of months. So thanks so yeah. much. Uh, absolutely.
Brady. It's always fun. Appreciate it. Doug Kide with us here on the Brady Farkas Show from Pro Football Focus. He's very, very plugged into the Pats. He covered the Pats for years over at Nesson, so always good to have his perspective on. A lot of good stuff there. And I asked Doug a question. I said, outside of Mac Jones, what is the most positive development for the Patriots over the course of the last 18 weeks, last 19 weeks, 18 games? I want to bring that to you, the listeners. What is the most positive development for the Patriots over the course of the regular season? I've got my answers. I'll take yours as well. That's coming up next after the national news update here on the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV. This is Freddie Coleman of ESPN, and you're listening to Brady Farkas Show right here on WDEV and WDEVradio.com. Welcome back in. Brady Farkas Show right here on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEV Radio. Com. National championship game coming up tonight. We've got Alabama and Georgia. Coverage begins 55 minutes from now. I'll take you all the way up until 7 o'clock. My voice is hanging in there. Thanks to all of you for hanging in with me. The full show podcast will be available after the show's conclusion on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. And thanks to Doug Kide from Pro Football Focus for stopping by. His interview already up. Our team does an incredible job of getting those interviews up in a timely fashion. Speaking of Doug, I just asked him this question, and I want to ask you as well. We've now been through 19 weeks of the regular season. We've been, or, well, I guess, hold on, 18 weeks of the regular season, 17 games in the regular season. We've been through another three preseason games. We've been through a couple more weeks added onto that of training camp. What has been your biggest positive development for the Patriots this season? That's a question for you on the Napa-Morrisville, Napa-Waterbury text line, 802-585-3026. I'm putting this caveat out there. You cannot say the development of Mac Jones. So your biggest positive development outside of Mac Jones, we all agree that finding a quarterback is the most important thing in football. So the fact that the Patriots have one has to be at the top of the list. His development, him being adequate to good, has to be number one. So you can't say Mac Jones. Your biggest positive development outside of Mac Jones' growth, what is it? Well, you think on that and text things in. I'll give you two things that have really stood out to me over the course of these last 17 games, 18 weeks, three preseason games, and all the time before then. Number one is this team has found new leaders. And I think that that is hugely important because the Patriots for a long time have been a veteran team and they've had an old guard and they still do. But that old guard is starting to go away. Okay, Tom Brady's gone. Patrick Chung is gone. Deron Harmon is gone. Steven Goskowski is gone. Stephon Gilmore is gone. Jason McCourty is gone. So some of your longtime veteran leaders from the last several years, they're gone. Now, the Pats coming into this year were still fortunate. Devin McCourty still here. Dante Hightower back. Matthew Slater. So there's still that link to the old guard there. But those guys I just mentioned they're going to be gone soon enough as well. And it's imperative that the Patriots develop new leaders to usher us into yet another era of Patriots football. 
because the, the the veterans that we've counted on to be the leaders of this team, to be the top voices in the locker room, we've counted on them for years. They are gone or they are on their way out. So the fact that the Patriots were able to develop new leaders this year and new voices, hugely important. Matthew Judon has emerged as a huge presence on this team. Good with the media. He won the the good the media good guy award. Good in the locker room, good at the podium, good on the field. Matthew Judon has emerged as a team leader. The team needed that. Kendrick Bourne, one of the more unheralded signings for the Patriots this offseason. Nelson Aguilar, Jonu Smith, and Hunter Henry were supposed to be the big ones, and Kendrick Bourne was the add-on. And Kendrick Bourne, I think, has shown a huge role on this team, both on the field and in the leadership department. You can't just rely on the links to the past forever. You have to develop a link between the past and your future, and Matthew Judon and Kendrick Bourne have emerged in that way. And that was one of the things that I wanted to see all season is who would step up, who's ready to take the torch from the old guard, and Judon and Bourne, I think, stuck out above the rest. Mac Jones will be there too. The quarterback will be there, and I think Mac will be the starting quarterback of this team again next year and into the future. So he's part of that, but he wasn't ready to be the sole leader of this team this year. Cam Newton would have been, but with Cam gone, it needed to fall on other people. And Kendrick Bourne and Matthew Judon, I think, picked it up. David Andrews is in there as well. So a great job by this team in developing new leaders because the Patriot way needs to live on. Whatever it is, this nebulous term, the Patriot way, it needs to live on. And it needs people to spring it forward into the future. Judon, Bourne, Andrews, they're all in it, and they all have a hand in it. So that was a very positive development. And number two, and I mentioned this to Doug Kide, I think the play of J.C. Jackson was a huge positive development this year. And it was a huge positive development because he showed to me and a lot of other critics that he is not just a byproduct of having Stephon Gilmore on the field. J.C. Jackson was second in the NFL this year in interceptions. Now, in the past, I thought J.C. Jackson's success was created by Stephon Gilmore being on the field. Think about it conceptually. Stephon Gilmore shuts down half the field on his own. Therefore, more balls are flooded to the other side of the field. We're not going to throw to that side. We're going to throw to this side. J.C. Jackson's going to have a ton of chances to make plays. And that is what I thought was happening over the last couple of years, that he was he was there getting numbers because teams were afraid of Gilmore. I thought his stats were inflated because he was getting so many additional chances to make plays. He's good on his own. And that's important to realize. And this season showed us that. And I think that was huge. This team needs to find a way to re-sign J.C. Jackson. You heard Doug tell us they might franchise tag him. They might have to pay him $20 million a year on a long-term deal. It's going to take a hefty investment to keep J.C. Jackson. They have to find a way to do so. They cannot afford to lose Gilmore and Jackson within the span of six months together in the calendar. 
with how much passing has infiltrated the game in 2021-2022 defensive backs they are you know just about as important as anybody else on the field when you've got a good one you can't let them go so the pats need to pay jackson as far as i'm concerned and jackson earned that money by proving he is good all on his own that was a huge development and a huge positive for jackson and his bank account but also for the patriots over the course of the last 17 games, 18 weeks plus. 802-585-3026. Carl up in Ferrisburg. I drove through Ferrisburg on Saturday. Beautiful spot up there. He says, Brady, how about the development of Ramondre Stevenson? I certainly wasn't expecting him to play such a big role. I, I thought Stevenson was great this year, and that's near the top of my list too. I mean, remember... Ramondre Stevenson, he fumbled in week one in that loss against the Dolphins. And then he was basically put on ice. He was shelved for a couple of weeks. We didn't see him. But once he got a chance to get back out there, I thought he was excellent. And it was surprising. Remember back to the draft last April? It was surprising to see the Patriots draft Ramondre Stevenson. They had Damian Harris. They had J.J. Taylor. They had James White already in the fold. It seemed a little redundant to take Stevenson in the fourth round, but he made a great impact. He was great in the preseason. Remember, we named him Mr. August. And by and large, he was great in the regular season. He catches the ball out of the backfield. He runs hard. He breaks tackles. He runs with a bulldozing type of mentality to him. He and Damian Harris give the Patriots a LeGarrette Blunt-level physicality they haven't had in the last couple of years. And it really helped cradle Mac Jones. That security provided by Harris and by Stevenson helped cradle Mac Jones in this rookie year. And as I go through the season, and I look, I we have a whole a, a whole catalog of Patriots highlights throughout the year. And I didn't realize until today just how many there are from Ramondre Stevenson. I knew he was good. I knew he was impactful. I knew the stats were good. He ran for 4.6 yards per carry this year, same as Damian Harris. I knew he made an impact, but just how many highlights are uniquely his, I I, I was surprised about that. Look, going back to the preseason, this is what? This is August 13th preseason game. This has to be Number one, preseason game number one when they played Washington. Stevenson with a great run to the outside. Still on the go. Go for Come on, Andre Stevenson. Trying to go wire and wire. Second touchdown for the rookie. And Ramondre Stevenson took it 91 yards with his second touchdown run of the evening. 91 yards in the preseason, and it continued on. Here we are. This is November 15th. Takes the snap, hands to Stevenson, bulldozing into the end zone. Touchdown, Patriots, 30 unanswered for New England. That's got to be against Cleveland in that blowout. It's Ramondre Stevenson did a lot, has done a lot, and his development certainly has been a positive. And it was a, it was a pick that we, I would not say criticized, but it was a pick that surprised us back in the draft given the depth we thought the Patriots had at that position. Nick and Shelburne Brady, how about the how about Nick Folk being the biggest positive development? Seriously, that's a great choice too. It's not sexy to talk kicking, 
But from a performance standpoint, Nick Folk was incredible this year. 36 of 39 on field goals. He made every kick of the year, every field goal of the season, inside 50 yards, Nick Folk made. You talk about consistency and dependability. Nick Folk made every field goal inside 50 yards this year. He missed five extra points, two of which came on snap hold issues we saw last week against Jacksonville. Kickers can make or break you. And when you have a stable one, you hang on to that for dear life. And that's what the Patriots had this season. Nick Folk provided them a lot of stability. So, yeah, his I wouldn't know that I would call him a development, being the veteran. He is over 35 years old. But just when you look at biggest positives for this team, Nick Folk's got to be right up there. And then, of course, there's a wet blanket in every room. Tony and Richmond, thank you. What was your biggest disappointment of this season? Well, losing three of the last four certainly isn't all that fun, but uh, I, I, I think there's no doubt that if you're looking at an individual disappointment, right now it's John U. Smith. John U. Smith has, has not lived up, certainly not only to his contract, it's not even close to living up to his contract, hasn't lived up to his expectations in any way, shape, or form. John U. Smith is making $16 million this year. He was the seventh highest paid tight end in the league overall. Let's see. He's the seventh highest paid tight end overall. He was the third highest paid this year. And he's making $16 million a year. And he ended up with 28 catches. Less than two catches a game for a guy making $16 million this year. He had one touchdown. He played in fewer than 50% of the snaps. That's your biggest disappointment, and I don't even think that it's particularly close. John o. Smith and Hunter Henry were supposed to form a dynamic two-tight end punch, and they were supposed to be a huge help to Mac Jones. And while, and, and while Hunter Henry was, John o. Smith really wasn't. I mean, there's still a time to get, you know, to get him involved with his contract. I mean, he's got, I think, three years left on his deal. So there's time for him to turn it around and make an impact. But right now, it certainly looks like a a bust of a signing. I mean, I'm, I mentioned those Ramondre Stevenson highlights. I go through and I've got two highlights all year from Jonu Smith. I've got two highlights all year. From John U. Smith, October 4th and December 7th. December 7th is the finally the first completion from Mac Jones against Buffalo in the wind. So that's not really a highlight. It was just nice to see the Patriots throw the ball. And here, John U. Smith's lone touchdown, October 4th. Harris is the back. Picking him. Caught touchdown. John U. Smith. That was in the game week four against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The first the only real highlight of the season for John U. Smith is all the way back in week four, and we just finished week 18. That's your biggest, biggest disappointment right there. It's the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. A lot of great texts on that one, so thank you to everybody. Yeah, that was a fun a fun question to ask of Doug. Biggest, biggest positive developments outside of Mac Jones. I thought it was leadership development and the Proof of J.C. Jackson being that good. You guys had some good ones too. Nick Folk, Ramondre Stevenson, um, a lot of good stuff there. And Doug, by the way, told us not only – he actually kind of mentioned – see, we have that, right, guys? 
we do. Okay, it's not just Ramondre Stevenson. He mentioned Ramondre Stevenson by name, but he also just said they're – well, here you go. Here's what Doug said. Just a lot of those other newcomers making a big splash with the Patriots, whether it was a draft pick like Ramondre Stevenson or, or Christian Barmore or some of the free agent signings they brought in. Obviously not all of those worked out, but Matt Judon was a high-impact player. Kendrick Bourne, I think, exceeded expectations this season. Even a guy like Jalen Mills. Yeah, so Doug said the newcomers in general, of which Stevenson is one of. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What did he say? Mac Jones. Good Lord. Mel Kuyper's got to slow down on this. Mac Jones ain't going to work, folks. It's not going to work. You just got to come to terms with it. It's not going to work. They really said that? Every damn thing is politics and race, and I'm losing my mind over it. It's time for Who's Saying What on the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. Who's Saying What brought to you by Vermont Laser Wash, which is Central Vermont's home of unlimited car washes. Begins at only $20 a month. If you want a free car wash, all my listeners need to do is text the word Vermont to the number 30 and then 400. That's 30 and then 400. It's a free car wash for my listeners if you do that. I'm sure you've seen this by now. It came out Friday after we came on the air. Antonio Brown was on a podcast. It was called the Full Send Podcast. And he said a lot of things. And he said some wild things. He said some zany things. He said some weird things. Antonio Brown said something, though, on that podcast that came out on Friday. He said one thing that I think was completely true about his relationship with Tom Brady. Tom Brady's my friend. Why? Because I'm a good football player. He need me to play football, right? I think Tom Brady there is telling the truth. Or I think Antonio Brown, rather, is telling the truth there. I think he's exactly right. I don't think that Tom Brady values Antonio Brown the person. I don't think he looks at him as somebody he's trying to save as a person. I think that Antonio Brown is being used by Tom Brady for the sake of winning football games. And that is where I think the relationship stems from. Brady talks about playing this game for relationships. I believe, let me walk back my statement. I believe he has developed a relationship with Antonio Brown. I believe maybe now he's invested in Antonio Brown's overall overall well-being, but make no mistake about it. Antonio Brown and Tom Brady's relationship stems from the fact that A.B. was and is a good football player and I do believe that Antonio Brown is being used by Tom Brady for the purpose of winning games and winning a championship. Maybe now Brady has developed a like for Brown. Maybe now or up to now he cares about Brown as a person. But the whole thing stems from Tom Brady wanting to win above all else. And Tom Brady wanted this relationship in his life because it would help him win football games make no mistake about it. I think Antonio Brown is right if Antonio Brown couldn't help Tom Brady win he would have no use for him and you know that's true and so do I so for all the the weird things that AB said for all the things that don't look true for all the things that look self-absorbed that one I think is dead on the money Tom Brady's my friend why because I'm a good football player he need me to play football right that is why Antonio Brown was in Tom Brady's life. It was why he was wanted in Foxborough, and it's why he wanted here. 
because he's a good football player and Tom Brady wants to win. But of course, you know, I told you, that was the one thing I agreed with. There's another, there's some other things in there that AB said that were off the wall, like this one. If, if Tom Brady's my boy, why am I playing for an earnest salary? Right. You my boy though, right? Right. Gronkowski is boy, right? Right. How much did he get paid? Significant amount. Damn. All right, so so why is AB on a prove-it deal? Why is Antonio Brown on a prove-it deal? You talk about a lack of self-awareness. That one was one of the quotes that took the cake. First off, power move, referring to yourself in the third person. Power, power move. You get paid. Significant amount. Damn. All right, so so why is AB on a prove-it deal? Why is AB on the prove-it deal? Boss move, referring to yourself in the third person. But two, to answer the question, you're on the prove-it deal because you need to prove it. Gronk is not on the prove-it deal because Gronk has proven dependable in his career. He's not always available, but largely dependable. Antonio Brown, largely undependable. The last year in Pittsburgh, undependable. The offseason in Oakland, undependable. The time in Foxborough, undependable. Tampa, this year, undependable. Fake Vax card. Undependable. That's why you're on the prove-it deal. If you really need me to answer that for you, that is a problem. Antonio Brown is on a one-year deal because teams can't take the chance and the risk of having a multi-year deal where they have to end up cutting him. That, that's why. Gronk, is not on, Gronk doesn't have those circumstances. A coach used to tell me, treating everybody the same is not treating everybody fair because not everybody deserves the same treatment. Gronk and Antonio Brown are on two different planes. Antonio Brown has proven undependable for certainly the last four years of his career. Gronk hasn't always been available, but he's been a team guy every step of the way. So that's the answer. It's the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. Patriots lose 33-24. to They finish out the regular season at 10-7. and They're going to the playoffs. They're taking on the Buffalo Bills. We'll have it for you Saturday night at 8-15. But before we can move forward, we got to look back at yesterday. We unpacked the Patriots. That's next right here on the Brady Farkas Show on WD. This is Field Yates of ESPN, and you're listening to the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV Radio and the WDEV app. Thank you, Field. Welcome back in. Brady Farkas Show right here on WDEV. AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. Coming up at the top of the hour, the college football playoff, the national title game, Alabama and Georgia. Mac Jones said today on WEI, remember he was the quarterback at Bama last year, he said that uh, he doesn't know if he'll get much time to watch it. He's got things on his mind today. He like, you know, well, number one, he said he goes to bed at 8.30. And number two, he's trying to get ready for the playoffs. But he did say he hopes to find a little bit of time to watch Alabama. So uh, the show is brought to you in part by Pro Driver Training. That's Pro Driver Training online at ProDriverCDL.com, Vermont's premier truck driver training school. You can work on your Class A license, Class B license, Class C, also your um, passenger and advanced skills training, coursework, real-life application of that coursework, so you can certainly take the next steps forward in your career at Pro Driver CDL. Again, Vermont's premier truck driver training school with locations in Enosburg and in Milton. All right, it's time to unpack the Patriots, everybody. Let's get the music.
All right, now let's get the unpacking the Patriots sounder. The good. Ten New England. Get a little bit closer here. Jones taking a shot. Has his man, and it is caught. Myers with a snitch. It's a pickup of 39 for New England. And the bat. Jones from the gun, third and two. It's picked. Intercepted. Howard. And he's in for the pick. We unpack the Patriots now on the Brady Farkas show. Yeah, Pats lose 33-24, finish out the regular season 10-7. and We unpack the Patriots here. Some of our takeaways, not in any particular order, just things we noticed. The news right now is good on defensive lineman Christian Barmore. Remember, he left the game late yesterday in the fourth quarter with a knee injury. Well, Ian Rappaport of the NFL Network says the MRI came back clean for Barmore. We'll see what his practice status is for this week, but no major injury was revealed. So we're not completely out of the woods. We don't know yet if he'll play this upcoming Saturday night against the Bills, but this can only be considered good news. You look at the long-term health of the player and the team, this is a big deal because at this point, if you were to get an ACL or some kind of big structural issue there, you'd be talking about missing some of next season as well. So it's good that Barmore has avoided all catastrophe. We hope he can play on Saturday, but this is a big news. This is a big deal. Barmore has been really good this year in a lot of ways. He played in all 17 games, 46 tackles, one and a half sacks on the year. And we kind of get Christian Barmore lost in the shuffle. And the reason why is because he's a defensive tackle. Defensive tackles don't get gaudy sack numbers. So we tend not to think of them as high impact players. Well, he's a consistent presence in the middle of that defense. And the people who really understand the nitty-gritty of football, they value Christian Barmore like Ted Johnson, former Pats linebacker and Super Bowl champion. Not even close for me. It's Christian Barmore. If this kid's not going to be out there next week, I, that is a huge, huge loss. He is your pass rush right now. It's been him and Matthew Judon all season long. And with Matthew Judon not playing his best football right now for whatever reason, it's been Christian Barmore that's getting the lion's share of the pressures on these teams. I mean, he's, he's played like a beast today. His stat line won't show it, but he was getting pressure all, all day long. Yeah, Christian Barmore has been good this season. And again, the people who know football and know about how to qualify and quantify the play of defensive tackles, they know how good he is. He's been physical. He has gotten after the quarterback. He has impacted the rush. He's impacted passers. So Christian Barmore, glad that he's okay long-term. Hope he's okay short-term as well. Number two, on that front, to Ted's point, what has happened to Matthew Judon? I praised him for his leadership, and that's been there all year. What hasn't been there all year has been his consistent play. Listen to this. Judon had more than two pressures in 10 of 11 games to start the season. 10 of the first 11 games of the year, Matthew Judon had two or more pressures. At that point in the year, he had 10 and a half sacks. 10 and a half sacks through 11 games. We were talking about him as a possible defensive player of the year. But now, two pressures or more just once in the Patriots' last six games. What's happened? He had COVID. Didn't play much against Jacksonville. Maybe he's slow to come back from that, but his downturn started even before that. If the Patriots are going to beat Buffalo on Saturday, if they're going to impact Josh Allen, if they're going to be able to rush the passer like they want to, if they want to create pressure, Matthew Judon's got to be a part of it. He's been non-existent for the last couple of weeks here. They need him to be a force and create some havoc in the backfield. Number three as we unpack the Patriots. 
the Patriots won seven games in a row at one point, and we talked about them as a team that could get to the Super Bowl. That is true. I maintain that at that point they looked like that. But I don't think they were ever as good as we thought they were. It doesn't mean that they were bad. It doesn't mean they were completely overrated. But they were never as bad as they were in their 2-4 and four start, and they're never as good. They were never as good as they were in their seven-game win streak. If you go back now and look at the totality of the season, look at who they beat in that seven-game win streak. The Chargers were a good win. The Bills were a good win. But other than that, they played a Browns team that was injured and underachieving, a Falcons team that was already bad, missing Calvin Ridley and Cordero Patterson in that matchup, a Titans team without Derrick Henry, A.J. Brown, Julio Jones. They played the Jets in a game started by Mike White. They did what they were supposed to do in those games. They cleaned up on bad teams and on teams in bad situations. But looking back, that seven-game win streak was not necessarily an indication of how good they were. It was an indication of their ability to do exactly what they were supposed to do. You still get credit for wins in the NFL. I told you weeks ago, and I'm not going to start now, I'm not apologizing for their schedule. But when we were talking about how great they were, we did need to understand that they were getting some advantages in the schedule. And right now, they're not getting those advantages in the schedule, and the team looks different. Number four. Interesting article today on NBCSportsBoston.com about the Pats and the bye week. Okay. The bye week came maybe at the wrong time for this team. Remember, the bye week came after that Bills win before the Colts lost. The Pats got worse after the bye week. They've lost three games out of their four since the bye week. That is surprising. But for as much as we want to put failures on the young quarterback or as much as we want to put things on Mac Jones, the last month since the bye, there were a lot of veteran miscues as well which are uncharacteristic. Go back to that Colts game. The Jonathan Taylor game-sealing run, it was a missed tackle by Devin McCourty and Dante Hightower. McCourty had the pick that he dropped yesterday against the Dolphins. Lawrence Guy, a veteran, had the mistake yesterday lining up over the center on a punt. Matthew Judon had a bad penalty yesterday on a roughing the passer. Kyle Van Noy couldn't make the tackle on Tua on the crucial third and eight. So, for as much as maybe we want to criticize Mac Jones over the last month, the veterans made mistakes too. The question is, why did they get worse after the bye? Usually, the bye is a time to usually the bye is a time to ramp things up and get better. In this case, the bye made the Patriots worse. And number five, I said on Friday, the thing that I needed to see in this game was the Patriots do a good job on Jalen Waddle. He scored a touchdown the first drive, but by and large, they did a good job. Five catches, 27 yards. Not a lot of catch-and-run opportunities there for the first-round pick out of Alabama. Pats generally had some good tackling. They didn't allow explosive plays to Waddle. And as they get ready for Stephon Diggs and uh, Emmanuel Sanders and Cole Beasley, they're going to have to limit. They're going to have to be good at tackling in space and limit explosive plays. And I needed them to see them do that against Waddle. If I want to believe they can do it in the playoffs, and they generally did that. That's Unpacking the Patriots here on this Monday. We do that every single post-Patriots game day. We're going to have at least one more Unpacking the Patriots for the year when the Pats take on the Bills on Saturday night. How confident 
are you in the Pats beating the Bills? 802-585-3026. Game time, Saturday night, 8-15. Cold. Looks like 20 degrees is the high in Buffalo. What's your confidence level? I will say my confidence level right now is not high. I think, as I told you, the Patriots can beat anybody in the AFC, especially one time in a one-game sample size. Bad weather, I think, favors the Patriots. The ability to run the ball well favors the Patriots. If it becomes a game like it did the last time these two played, I think that favors the Patriots. But I think the Bills are better than they were a month ago, a month and a half ago. So my confidence level is not high. The Bills will be the favorite. The Bills should be the favorite. I will, as of now, be picking the Bills to win. But I do believe the Bills were a better matchup for the Patriots than the Bengals. If the Pats won, I would not be shocked. I would be surprised, given that the Bills are at home, given that the Bills are hot and the Pats are not. But this is the matchup that I think is best served for the Patriots of the possible opponents that they had. So, confidence level is not high. But I think the Pats have a chance, certainly. All right, Phil Perry, NBC Sports Boston. He's our guy. He's with us every Friday. We love having Phil Perry on. He was harsh yesterday on Mac Jones. Is it fair to put what happened yesterday on the young quarterback's shoulders? Phil is. And I will put it at the feet of Mac Jones. I mean, you get you get the credit when everything's going well. Right. You have to take some credit, rookie or not, on this whole deal, especially today. First third down of the game, first drive of the game, you throw it right to the other team. Seven points going the other way. I mean, right then and there, you're putting yourselves in the hole that you know you can't come out of. This has to be a defense, run the ball, stay ahead on the scoreboard type of team for them to win. You're putting, them, you're putting your own club behind the eight ball. You're putting yourself behind the eight ball, Mac Jones. I put it at his feet today if I had to pick one. Is there too much blame on Mac Jones? Is Phil too harsh on the rookie? I think he is. Mac Jones was absolutely part of the problem yesterday. That pick six was atrocious. The fumble he had inside the Dolphins' 30-yard line when the Pats are going down and trying to score a touchdown to get to continue to climb back into the game, that was a problem too. So Mac Jones was bad for three quarters. He was great in the fourth. I think he finished like nine of nine in the fourth quarter. He was awesome. Mac Jones was not good for quarters one through three, but it's not just him. The defense was gashed, 195 yards rushing allowed. They allowed an opening drive touchdown. They weren't great on special teams again. I saw a stat that said the Patriots are going to have their worst special team season overall since like 1994. So two missed calls went against them. The the unnecessary roughness call was awful. I thought the pass interference in the end zone on Jalen Mills was the wrong call. So the calls are a part of it. The defense is a part of it. The run defense is a part of it. Special teams play is a part of it. They dropped an interception. So, yeah, it wasn't great for Mac Jones. It also wasn't great for a lot of other areas of the Patriots roster yesterday. So, I Phil can be disappointed in Mac, and he'd be right to. He'd be justified. I don't think it's fair to put it all at his feet. You're, this team is supposed to be around... Is supposed to be built around its defense and its running game. And the defense let this team down yesterday. They didn't force any turnovers. I'm not trying to let Mac Jones off the hook. But the defense didn't force any turnovers. 
Mac wasn't able, or rather, defense didn't force any turnovers. Defense got gashed for nearly 200 yards rushing. I think that's a bigger problem than what Mac Jones did. The pick six was awful. But the Pats could have gotten back in the game if the defense had done its job. Penalty on fourth down by Lawrence Guy, dropped pick. Pats had chances to get back into a defense, let him down. That's the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. Despite the win yesterday, the Dolphins fired their coach, Brian Flores. I'll tell you the impact that actually has on the Patriots moving forward, and it's actually a potentially pretty big impact. I'll tell you why. That's next. Now it's back to the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. Welcome back in. Brady Farkas Show right here on WDEV AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. Alabama and Georgia National Championship game coming up 7 o'clock here about 15 minutes from now. We get you out to the pregame show. Kickoff there is just after 8 o'clock. Tomorrow we've got a very short show, only about 10 minutes. High school basketball on the girls' side, Montpelier at People's Academy. Wednesday it's Boys Hoops, 645 Montpelier at Harwood. Thursday, Boys Hoops, Northfield at Stowe. And there's no fans allowed at Stowe games, so you have to listen right here on WDEV. So we're not getting all full 90 minutes in an awful lot these days. That's why I value the day like today we do get all 90 minutes in. So, again, I'm thinking about Patriots' connections to this national championship game. Pats have a lot of Bama players. So off the top of my head, Dante Hightower, Christian Barmore, and Mac Jones, Damian Harris. That's four. Georgia, David Andrews might be the only one. So it's at least four Bama players and at least one Georgia player in David Andrews. So Andrews will be outnumbered by his Crimson Tide teammates, but uh, should be a great game. It's a rematch of the SEC title game. Okay, shocking news today. The Dolphins, fresh off beating the Patriots yesterday, fired head coach Brian Flores. Brian Flores had winning seasons each of the last two years. Missed the playoffs both years, but had winning seasons. I think went 10-6 and six last year, went 9-8 and eight this year. So winning seasons, back-to-back years. First time the Dolphins have done that since 2002-2003. Like, crazy the success, win-loss-wise, that Brian Flores had the last two years. And he's not, number one, didn't go to the playoffs. And number two, <clears throat> ends up losing his job. This actually has a massive implication on the Patriots, as far as I'm concerned. And... Brady, why, why does the Dolphins firing their coach impact the Patriots really all that much? Well, listen to this. Let me find it. I've got my notes here. I've got my three points written down. Okay, this is it. Number one, a lot of there are there are a bunch of current Patriots that are set to be free agents after the year, and we know that a lot of Patriots played for, like, and respect Brian Flores. With him not in Miami anymore. You probably prevent the mass exodus going to Miami. Look a couple years ago, right? Ted Karras left and went to Miami, and so did, um, <clears throat> excuse me, the voice is all, has held out this far. Don't fail on me now with seven minutes to go. Ted Karras and Kyle Van Noy left once to go to Miami. So there had been a pipeline from New England to, to Miami. Eric Rowe is another one who's there, played yesterday. So guys had been going to play for Brian Flores. With him not there, you might prevent that. So the institutional knowledge that Flores had is gone, and the institu- institutional knowledge of your program that other players might have taken there 
likely won't happen at least as regularly. So that's a big deal. That's a positive. And Doug Kide told us that same thing here about an hour ago. Yeah, it, it certainly does. I think that, you know, whoever they bring in as their head coach, we'll see if they have as much success against the Patriots as Brian Flores did. I really do think that Brian Flores, you know, his his knowledge of the Patriots uh, certainly helped them. I mean, Flores was 4-2 and two in three years against the Patriots. There was the, the, the one game Antonio Brown played in 2019, the Pats won 43 to nothing when the Dolphins, it looked like they were tanking. Pats won that game. End of the season, Pats needed that win to be the two seed. Last game, Devontae Parker goes off, and the Pats end up not getting a first-round bye. Dolphins win Week 17 in Foxborough. Then, last year, Week 1, Cam Newton gets the win in Week 1, and the Dolphins win at the end of the year, and the Dolphins sweep the Pats this year. So it's a big impact not having Flores' knowledge on South Beach, and it's a big impact that players for the Pats who are free agents won't bring knowledge and go join him on South Beach. So that's one. And two, and this is probably even bigger, Deshaun Watson was willing to waive his no-trade clause with the Texans to go play for Brian Flores in Miami. There was all this scuttle about Watson getting traded to Miami. Well, the reason why he wanted to go to Miami, allegedly, is because of Brian Flores. And that would have introduced a real big wrinkle into the AFC East for the Patriots. The quarterback play would have been Josh Allen and Deshaun Watson you're going against. And now, if Watson doesn't want to go to Miami without Flores, then the quarterback play remains average at best. Average to good, I would say, with Tua. Deshaun Watson not wanting to go to Miami and not ending up in Miami would be a huge positive development for the Patriots. Assuming Deshaun Watson is eligible to play next year, I don't know where exactly he's going to go. Miami was a team that we've heard about for weeks. And if Flores isn't there, then Miami may not be in the cards for Watson, and that would be good for the Pats. So how does Brian Flores getting fired impact the Patriots? Well, I just told you. Watson may not go there. Pats free agents may not go there. And the knowledge now leaves South Beach. The Patriots' knowledge leaves South Beach. I think the Dolphins made a foolish choice winning seasons. back In the last two years, only nine teams have won more in the NFL than the Dolphins have. Now, allegedly it was behind-the-scenes stuff and a power struggle that Flores lost. So fine, maybe that's, maybe that's the reason. But from a football standpoint, the Miami Dolphins have been largely irrelevant for 20 years, and they were you know, on their way to relevance with Brian Flores. I think the Pats. I think the Pats caught a break. I think the Dolphins made a wrong choice, and Brian Flores will be a candidate for multiple head coaching jobs as we continue on throughout the rest of the offseason. I Black Monday in the NFL is the worst. It gives us a lot of things to talk about in this business, but remember at the end of the day that these are people. You may not like these people because your team didn't win with these people in the way you wanted them to, but this is a dark day. For a lot of people and a lot of families. Uh, Bears fire their coach. Vikings fire their coach. Broncos fire their coach yesterday. Bron- uh, Flores fired. You saw executives fired across the league. Dave Gettleman resigns. I know a lot of people want to see change, and it's easy to call for it, but these are people. I don't welcome Black Monday. 
tough uh, tough day around the league, and there could be more potentially. It looks like Joe Judge is safe in New York. Pete Carroll, it looks like right now, is safe in Seattle. We'll see what happens over the next couple of days, but generally these firings happen swiftly. David Culley right now looks safe in Houston, but we're not quite sure. Gerard Mayo, Patriots uh, defensive coach and former Pats player, he's going to interview with the Denver Broncos. We've heard the movement on him now. We haven't heard anything yet on Josh McDaniels. We will keep you posted on everything. All right, national championship game is coming up next. It's Alabama and it's Georgia. It is a rematch of the SEC title game. We will take you out there. The title game is in Indianapolis. Hope you all enjoy the game. The kickoff comes to you just after 8 o'clock. The Dogs and the Crimson Tide. Um, full show podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and WDEVradio.com. Thanks for thanks for uh, listening along and, and you know helping me uh, get through with my voice. Thanks for giving me a little pass on the uh, vocal cords today. And rest in peace to Bob Saget. Thanks for all the episodes of Full House. Back in the day, I've seen every single one of them 95 times. Brady Farkas Show will be back at it barely tomorrow on WDEV.